Welcome to Fitzarns Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer, designed to keep you informed and captivated about the South African residential property market. Subscribe to our channel today and enjoy conversations with some of the most influential, innovative and interesting industry experts, stakeholders and scheme executives as they render input in today's property market. Hi, good day. Welcome to Fitzland's Property Exchange. As a follow-up to our previous discussion on deceased estates, we thought it a good idea to discuss divorces and properties. And who better to invite to lead this discussion than Mr. Dylan Hirschop. He is currently an associate at Burger de Tour Incorporated Attorneys, a boutique law firm specializing in property law and debt collection. Dylan is an attorney of the High Court specializing in law pertaining to community schemes and everything compliance related with the property industry. Dylan, I'd like to congratulate you on your talk with Gugu at Kaya Biz recently. That was quite informative and very, very interesting. Historically, 44% of marriages in South Africa have resulted in divorce. Since lockdown, there has been reportedly been a 20% increase in the number of new divorce applications. The family home sometimes is the most significant asset at stake for those unfortunate couples whose marriages ultimately fail, both financially and emotionally. Therefore, it is essential for any couple thinking about getting married or for any married couple thinking about divorcing to grasp what our law says about who gets what in a divorce. Divorces, not managed correctly, can become very acrimonious and costly. This discussion is dedicated to the need to know regarding property and divorces. So, Dylan, welcome. Hi, Paul. Thank you very much. And you are ready to discuss this awful topic, divorces. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I think it's a, a big part of society and the, the latest trends is that it's it's more acceptable to divorce and it's and it's very important. Um, I don't think any newly wedded or, or couple that intends on becoming married wants to discuss this topic, but in some circumstances we do have to have serious conversations and these are one of them. Thank you so much. So let's do the serious thing today. Can you briefly explain the three marital regimes recognized in South Africa? That's a very interesting question. So the, the three reg regimes that we have is firstly in community of property, and then secondly out of community of property with the accrual, and lastly out of community of property without the accrual. So just for a rudimentary understanding and like the high level overview of this in community of property means that there's one estate, so each and every asset owned by the spouses forms part of one centralized estate, whereas the difference from that to out of community of property is that there is they still enjoy separate estates with or without the accrual. And the, the accrual simply means that a party is entitled to 50% of the growth of the other party's estate. Okay, so can I sum this up in layman's terms? If you are married, married in community of property, everything is divided equally. What, what's yours is mine and what's mine is yours. Yes, that's good. With the accrual, 
That would include everything that was added in terms of assets during the course of the marriage. And without out of community of property would be what's mine stays mine and what's yours is yours. In essence, yes, yeah. All right, good. So how does the different marital regimes affect one's right to property? So what I can tell you is the first question we'll have to ask ourselves is, who is the owner of this property? So from a, a, a in-community of property perspective, both spouses would then automatically be joint owners of this um, unit in a scheme or an ARF in an HOA, whereas the rules of engagement for out-of-community of property, whether this is now with or without the accrual, will depend on the intentions of the party. So in those circumstances, they can be joint owners if they elect to be, or if they want to purchase a property in the, solely in their name, they're also capable of doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. How does membership to a scheme work where spouses own a property? Yeah, so I think for, for this discussion, it's important for the listeners to know that we're considering now that both of these parties are now owners of the property, um, as I've discussed earlier, whether this is now in or out of community of property. But this means that these owners are seen as one member in the scheme which means that they are then going to have to exercise their powers in respect of the property and their rights in respect of the property jointly, or we would need a proxy or a power of attorney from the one owner authorizing the other spouse to do this. But practically speaking, one vote would be for all of the members, so thus one vote for both spouses. Okay, so let's look at the following scenario. An annual general meeting is called of either a HOA or a body corporate, and only one of the spouses arrive to attend the meeting. Would that spouse need the proxy of the other spouse to be able to attend or to participate in voting? Yes, so they would either need a proxy or a power of attorney, which would now then authorize them to make the decision on their own. Mm, Okay. The following question requires some context. The spouse are at the meeting and a resolution is proposed by the spouses, but they cannot seem to agree whether they should vote in favour or against a specific motion. What happens if the owners disagree or the spouses disagree to whatever to vote for or against any resolution to be taken by a scheme? Yeah, this is a, a great question to ask, I must say. And and what we need to understand here is for a decision to be taken, especially where there's only two owners, we need unanimity in the decision making, which means that let's say, for example, one spouse says, yes, I do vote in favor, and the other spouse says, I can't vote in favor, I'm voting against this. This simply means how are we now going to attribute this to a decision? made by this particular member. As I've mentioned, both owners are one member, but this would then simply mean that whatever their um, decisions and respective decisions are, it would be seen as that member is abstaining from making a vote as a result of this lack of uniformity between the members. And just for interest sake, abstaining from a vote is always seen as being a vote against the motion. Oh, all right. 
Now, we are on a very serious topic, but let's get more serious. The owners decide or the spouses decide to get divorced. What happens to the responsibilities of the members? So we're going to have to, for this question, look out of two sets of perspectives. Firstly, we need to consider the, the body corporate or the scheme executive's perspective. And, and, and this now relates to these parties are now getting a divorce. What should we do in the meantime? Are we now stuck in limbo or do we actually have recourse? And the, and the simple answer is for the duration of them being a member, there is no change to the, the rights and responsibilities of these members. So whether they now want to get a divorce or happily married, from a body corporate's perspective, we need to understand that nothing happens to their responsibility to pay levies. They remain liable as they remain to be members and they will remain liable until such membership ceases. And then if we look at the, the perspective between the spouses, we need to consider the lifestyle and the expenditure towards the joint household. And just by way of example, to give you a, a bit of an explanation, let's say the parties have between themselves now agreed that a particular party would have a look and, and, and financially contribute towards the property expenses, but another party would perhaps um, contribute towards other expenses in the joint household. That mm -hmm. situation will not change. We will remain, or as far as it's possible, naturally, because they're getting a divorce, but we're trying to retain the status quo in these instances. So no change as of yet to these responsibilities. Okay. So say party one is paying for the bond and the levies. Does the other party or spouse have a claim against one another? So again, and, and there's unfortunately, there's no finite answer for how we should approach this situation. The only thing that I can say is that when we look at contributions towards a joint household, there is a lot of things which is not necessarily a financial contribution, but can all that can also be seen as a contribution. So, for example, let's say the the husband is tasked with bringing up the children. This is also seen as a contribution towards the joint household, which in those circumstances, as long as both parties contribute and continue to contribute towards the joint household. And regardless of their circumstances and how they now agreed which party would contribute what, that would then not result in a claim. But where there are instances, for example, where one party does in fact contribute more than that party was required to do, then there could be a possibility of a claim against the other spouse. Okay. That leads me to the next question. If this specific spouse paying all the property-related expenses and suddenly stop paying that, what can the other spouse do? So, so the, the problem that we're faced with here is the, the spouses are, to an extent, stuck in limbo because they're not yet divorced, but there is this period between we've now made the decision to get divorced and we are going to be divorced at some point when the court hears our matter. There is a, a, a passing of time there. And what we can do in the interim is apply in terms of Rule 43 of the High Court rules or Rule 58 of the Magistrate's Court rules for interim relief. So this is simply the court considering 
and and it's a it's a, on the face of it financial inquiry into the respective parties' contributions and liabilities and responsibilities towards the household, and then they would make an interim ruling for these payments. So off the bat, I would say if there's no serious change in circumstance to that spouse's financial capabilities, there's no reason for that spouse to stop paying the property expenses. Okay, but should this happen, the court procedure could perhaps take a long time. Where does that leave the community scheme who does not receive payment of levies in the meantime? Again, the big thing is the owners and members need to stop conflating divorces between parties with responsibilities towards third parties. So again, you remain to be a member, and as such, you remain obliged to make payment. And and in instances where the community scheme is not happy with the current circumstances that they are faced with with these members, they are more than entitled to approach court and to enforce these rights and enforce the obligations on these members. Okay, so then that action would be against both spouses? Yes. One or the other or both? Yeah, it'll just depend on the ownership of the property. All right, okay. Once the divorce is considered, but the one spouse would like to remain a member of a specific scheme or to retain the property, can the other spouse purchase the half share of that property? Again, any legal proceedings are quite flexible when it relates to an agreement between the parties who are litigating against one another. So the moment that they actually um, get an agreement that I want to purchase your half share, if both parties are happy with that type of um, situation, it is perfectly fine and it can be done. So it'll just, again, depend on whether the parties can agree to that particular situation. I just wanted to say, so it depends on the agreement. Okay, what happens if the home was inherited by one party? Um, Is it automatically excluded from a marital regime? This is actually one of the most interesting questions that I have been asked. And and the reason for this is there has been extensive Mm -hmm. litigation on this point. And we've had a lot of case law to, to give us guidance and interpret the law. But what I can tell you is, again, we'll firstly have to consider whether or not this, the, the, these spouses are married in or out of community of property. Just a little recap, in community of property is a single um, estate, out of community of property, each partner has their own estate. So when we look at in community of property, we need to make the distinction between this exclusion between the parties and the exclusion between third parties, such as the community scheme. So in community of property, if one inherits a property, that inheritance is excluded from the joint estate, but only as far as it relates to the other spouse, which means the other spouse is not entitled to now obtain or execute on this property or have this expectation to receive. But from a third-party perspective, we need to remember it's a single estate, one estate that's just comprised of two persons. So from a third-party perspective as a body corporate, one can definitely still execute on that property. So it's only excluded 
from the spouse, but not from third parties. And then also from an out of community of property perspective, we need to understand again, it's two estates, two separate estates. So it will be automatically excluded from any divorce proceedings, unless in the anti-nuptial contract, they actually include it into what can be divided between the parties. Wow. Very intricate. What are some of the things people should look or pay attention to when they're getting divorced and finalizing the division of immovable property? So, Paul, what I can tell you is I think this must be a podcast in itself. Um, Should we have to discuss this question? We'll probably (laughs) still sit here until next week. So, I think it's important. And I think if, if, if we can agree, we should actually do a podcast that only focuses on these things as well. Not a bad idea. Dylan, I would love to thank you for your contribution, for providing us with all this wonderful information. And it seems like rather try and reconcile than get divorced. (laughs) It just seems so, so complicated. But thank you very much. We will then definitely follow up on this and uh, you will hear from us soon. Thank you very much, Paul. As, as always, I'm very appreciative to be on these podcasts. I really love what you are doing with these podcasts. I'm, I think it's important that we do, in fact, educate the industry at large. And, and I mean, this is exactly what we need to do. And I think we need more of this. Okay, so listeners, look out for the next episode where we will follow up on this current discussion. We will talk again. Thank you so much. This was Fitzsounds Property Exchange, hosted by Pearl Skeltimer. Not only do we keep you informed on the very latest in the property industry, we also empower by expanding your knowledge base. Make sure to visit www.fitzarn.co.za to find out more about sectional title scheme management, letting, sales and trustee training. Remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on all our social platforms.